get ready to strap on your boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. Today I have a special guest with me, Sidney Clevenger, a.k.a. Super Sid. He's a coach and an author. Thanks for coming to my podcast today, man. Oh, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's going to be awesome. So I want to get to like the root of what most people want to know is how you first got into what it is that you do for a business, for a living. When was the first day that you realized that you can monetize what you do? Being an entrepreneur, I think, you know, I've always known that I've had the creative gene. You know, I mean, that was always kind of ever since I was little, I knew I was different. And I know that's hard to explain, but I mean, like for ever, I remember like when I was little, you know, five, six years old and I would be like out playing baseball with my friends or I'd be at school. I was always just a little different. And, you know, even maybe sitting in here and I got my hat on backwards because I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, that's just who I am. I'm, I'm not afraid of being me. I don't, I don't believe in like, you know, I've never been one to like believe in formality, you know, like do this. So do what I say, not as I do type of deal like that. I can't stand that stuff. So, I mean, like growing up, I was always kind of that rebellious type. I never really knew what an entrepreneur was and definitely, you know, social media wasn't around 30 years ago, but, I, but, I, but I always was able to make connections with people fast. And one of the things was like, I could walk up to a stranger very fast and genu- gen- genuinely, you know, start and have an hour conversation with them very easily. And that came from my granddad. That came from my grandfather. And, um, you know, ever since I remember the first memory that I have, like actually thinking that that was like a superpower, actually thinking that was something that was a big deal was, um, was that was Christmas. I think I was 11 years old. And my dad actually in Christmas made a comment. And it's the first time I remember. And he was like, the fact that you're able to just walk up and talk to people and he's a salesman. So like I took, I took it as heavyweight and I took it as something that was serious. And he was like, you know, man, you know, you, you know, son, you're really, really good at just talking to strangers and being able to communicate with strangers. And he's like, I really wish I had that when I was your age. I didn't really recognize it back then. I didn't understand what it was. Now that I'm 33, I get that. But having that when I was young was definitely, you know, something that propelled me into, I don't, I believe I was born an entrepreneur. I didn't become one, but it helped me to recognize that what I was and helped me start to define and identify what my superpowers was or were so that I could hone them and then help people with them in the future. And ultimately that, that was really what drove me to be an entrepreneur. And it's interesting you say that because there's a big debate. It's been going on for decades, probably as to whether somebody is born an entrepreneur or they learn how to be an entrepreneur. And I always tell people it's a lifestyle. You have to, you have to either be that kind of person. Like you got to be wired. Your DNA has to be wired to be that kind of thinker, that kind of creativity and also taking risks, right? Oh, absolutely. Being yeah. an entrepreneur, you're taking risks. So what were some of the risks and challenges that you faced when you first started out that were kind of stopping you from getting to reach your goals, for example? Sure. What, what were some of the obstacles that you had to, you know, really to, to, uh, to, I guess, you know, kind of, preview this question or preview the answer here. I I, want to, you know, I read a, there's a great book out there for anybody that sells anything. And it's probably the best sales book that I've ever read, ever been a part of. It's called the ultimate sales machine. It's written by Chet Holmes. I'm sure a lot of you all have heard it. Maybe read it. I've read it like five times. Um, In the fourth chapter of that book, he talks about different types of CEOs and how CEOs need to think more strategically. So there's three types of CEOs. You have your tactical CEOs, you have your strategic CEOs. Take CEO out of the equation and call that an entrepreneur. Okay. You have your tactical entrepreneurs, you have your strategic entrepreneurs, and then you have your 1% of the entrepreneurs that are a mix of both. Okay. Typically 90% of entrepreneurs are going to be uh, tactical. 10% are going to be strategic. I mean, sorry, 90% are going to be strategic. 10% are going to be tactical and 1% typically is going to fall into both. So when you look at this, you know, and you're facing challenges. I believe a challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs have is they're very good at big, being big 
picture thinkers. They're, I mean, very good at one of those two things. They're either big picture thinkers that can think about what's going to work and they can think about the strategy overall that's going to work overall, or they're the entrepreneurs that can sit there and be given a plan and then execute that plan. The big challenge that comes is, see, I'm the big picture guy. I'm the guy that will sit here and I'll come up with all these ideas, right? All these ideas that are probably million dollar ideas, but then I have to need serious help sometimes to make those ideas become a reality. That's why I feel, that's why I hired a team. So up until I hired a team, I just kind of dealt with it. I probably did 10 much, 10 times more strategic stuff output just because I had to, because I had all this stuff falling off. So the biggest challenge I had was really being able to hone back and building SOPs, building a system, actually putting the business on paper, which was really risky for me because I'm a salesperson at heart. I'm a guy that connects with people at heart. So when I looked at, I got to kind of take a step back and build a system, hire people, train those people, get it to work with those people. That's going to take months. I chose that I needed to be in that situation because if I wasn't in that situation, I would have just went back home with my parents and eaten. I hear that. Eating ramen noodles on their sofa, right? So Yeah, which I promised myself at 30 years old. You won't do that anymore. (laughs) So you mentioned you had a team that you put together. What was it like putting that team together? How did you know basically who you needed to hire to make your team work? And what was it like managing that team as well on a day-to-day? Putting the team together, I mean, I'll be honest with you, a lot of trial and error. I'd never done it before. I was green as could be. I'd never taken any courses for it. I'd always just hustle. I'd always just been the guy that was just going to figure out a way to get it all done. What was easy about it? What was hard about it? Like, what were the, like, the challenges? The easy parts was the unloading. Like, just being like, I got this four hours of work. Oh, awesome. This four hours of work, I can just give to you. And like, at first, um, you know, because be honest, we have an amazing team. I, I, you know, we've gotten lucky. We, you know, we've, we've definitely had some parts that have been interchanged, but you know, we have a solid team right now. We have a really good team. Let me knock on something. We have a really good team, right? And um, it, it's taken me five months to get there, you know? And I know we're, you know, we're, we're about to get to the point where we need to add some more people, but we have, you know, four people or three people, or probably four people on our team. You know, one is literally my right hand. The other one's a gra- my, my, my create. I got, you know, two creatives. I got one that handles my software, one that handles my video and my graphics. Um, and then I got one that's kind of my right hand. And then we have a sales team and that sales team incorporates, you know, an appointment setter. And then we have salespeople closers, right? So um, building this thing, I did it piece by piece. And that was probably the hardest because I would build one piece and then that piece would be ready, but then the other piece wouldn't be ready. So we were hitting a dead end. And obviously being a one man, like me, I was a one man show and I got started. You can only delegate what you have available to delegate, right? And I wanted to build internally a team and not outsource everything because, you know, outsourcing is really hit or miss. Like I've outsourced before and it's been terrible. And it's not any part of their own. It's just that's part of outsourcing. They don't care about you. They care about the numbers they need to hit. And if they make 100 calls, they make 100 calls, right? But they're not really – I've always felt like outsourcing isn't really like, – you know, I've always felt like when you outsource, it's harder to find or more difficult to find people who care as much on your business. By hiring, you know, virtual assistants – these are virtual assistants I've hired. And by hiring these virtual assistants from our company all over the world, I give – allow them – you know, probably the biggest breakthrough that we've had is – you know, every week we do an hour long meeting, do a workshop and what that is in each department. So we'll have like creative department, we'll have appointment setting department, we'll have sales department, we'll have, um, you know, we'll have operations department and all this. And every week I take five or six hours out of my week and I sit down with my team individually in each own department and we go through what's called a workshop. And it comes from the same book, Ultimate Sales Machine. 
And basically what he talks about is he talks about you incorporating your people into your business, allowing them to come up with the ideas and doing workshops to where you can figure out solutions together instead of you just lecturing. Now, don't get me wrong. Monday mornings, those are me lecturing, making sure we got the, you know, the project board set up and all the, all the stuff we got to get done that week is set up and, and ready to go. But when we have these separate calls outside of our weekly team huddle, you know, these calls are geared to make that department better. So every single week since, you know, we had a great team individually when we got started, but every single week we've been having these hour long meetings with workshops and literally working through the biggest challenges that we're having as a company, whether it be, how do we get videos to use so that you can be more efficient? You know, that, that, that method sounds very similar to the methods that I, I have a course and a book where I teach this stuff too. It mm-hmm. sounds very similar to that, but much different too. So I know, so what I'm, what I'm saying is I know that that works. Mm-hmm because I use the same type of thing, except mine's different. So yours is a workshop that you do once a week, it sounds like, and, you, and it's geared towards that one thing. And then what we do, we use scrums, you know? And so we do daily standups. Yeah. They're very short. They're, they're very short, right? They're like five, 10 minutes. We mm-hmm. just, everybody kind of puts their two cents in. Yep. What are we gonna do today? What did we do yesterday? What were the challenges? What were the successes? And then we do a weekly, right? But the, yep. the difference is we also use a project management system where Every single day, people can just put in their ideas, and at the end of the day, I can look at them all. Which one do you use? We use Which Trello. One? We use Trello and Basecamp. We use Trello. Okay, we use uh, ClickUp, but we do that. As yeah, well. it's, everything's it's operated in ClickUp. So, like yes. our whole space, we, like we call it our spaceship. People our need to start. People need. But the reason I'm saying this is because people need to realize that this is important, right? Yeah. Because most people, just FYI, most entrepreneurs out there who are listening to this, you don't do this stuff. You skip all this because it's too, much, this it's, it's, it's too much work. It's you, too much work. I, yeah, I didn't know what to do. Like, I, I wanted to know what to do, but like, there was just so much involved in like operations of a business. Exactly. Like, you, you know, get, and you get lost. That was what was difficult for me. It took me eight months to figure this operation stuff out. So you're letting you're letting your employees do their jobs basically, and and also you know you mention a lot about putting this team together and finally able to succeed in a lot of different ways. When when was the the moment? when you were able to pass all the time you, so basically you spent all this time, right? Mm-hmm. A trial and error, you said, mm-hmm. and you said that you had all these people that you had to put together and figure out your system that worked. When was the moment when you realized, aha, everything works. I'm getting these daily SOPs now. Like what was the, what was, what, what clicked? What, what, what made it seem to you like it, this is not a little wins. I mean, I wouldn't say there's been like, I, I'm never a believer that like everything's fully done. I always think there's always room for improvement. Of course. So like for me to sit here and say like it clicked and like everything's operating perfectly, like, no, it's not. Like every day I'm involved or tweaking stuff every day. As far as seeing that the team could work, um, because like for the longest time, like at this point when I had started with this team, to be honest with you, I was half there because all my other attempts had failed and I was spending all this time on building something that would crumble and then and then it's not even just crumbling but it's just the emotional baggage with it you know like I'd be out for a week I'd put all this energy into something and then like it was just like literally like it'd be stolen from me and I'd wake up one morning and it was gone so I have all these things that we're doing or all these things I want to implement and then I wake up and there's nothing there anymore and I'm like well shit what do I do now and I have no prospects and I have nothing out no momentum and I'm literally starting at zero again and I have to figure it out. And that's always been my biggest fear because if I take, if I took the foot off the gas pedal of selling, my business would slow down. Cause at the time I was a one man band. So like, let's take a step back for a second. Hold on. You just hit it. You hit one of my topics and I want you to tell me a little bit more about it. If you can go back 
you got a time machine, you can go back to the moments you just talked about where your business was crumbling, you were making all these mistakes and things were going wrong. If you could pick one big mistake you made that you can help others avoid, what would that mistake be? And how do you have them avoid it? Don't do everything at once. Um, being a big picture thinker, I would come up like, when we first started getting these people in a group, I would just brain dump stuff in a group. And, you know, like it would hit my head and I'd tell them, hey, so when it hits my head, it doesn't mean I'm telling you to do it now. I'm just putting it in the chat so that I would, you know, not forget it. Well, there's so much damn communication in that chat that it would get buried in 10 minutes. So one of the, you know, the biggest things that I had to do to, to accomplish that when it was really when it came down to the team meetings, you know, we would do these workshops and all of us, right? Like I kind of got rid of the, you have a moment type stuff. And, you know, we don't do that anymore. I have a 30 minute time slot um, every single day that is not able to be calendared on. And basically those are my have a moment talks. They're scheduled and they're no more than 10 minutes. And so like, sometimes I get 30 minutes off during the day. Sometimes I'll have three 10 minute calls with my team. Like it, it just varies. Right. But when I took that stuff out, I found that I had all this time to actually get the work that was on my list done. So then I was able to go through and literally start putting in those time slots where a lot of times, like around lunchtime, people would come to me asking questions. Well, I could literally just put in these time slots when I needed to get work done, which then just made me more efficient. So now I just got to maintain sitting there and following my daily schedule. Try to get everything done at once. You're going to get nothing done or 20% done. And that 20% done is going to be half-assed and it's not going to look Again, that's similar to what I tell people is they need to come up with like a priority list, you know, task management, organization, goal setting. And it's incremental. It's day by day, step by step. Don't do too much at once. So you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. You mentioned to me before that you had a way to really leverage Facebook, mm-hmm. which is arguably one of the largest social platforms in the world right now that everybody uses. And now I have, I have a lot of friends who run Facebook groups, you know, yeah. and they, and, and they're doing marketing and they're trying to uh, talk to a lot of business owners and all sorts of things. And you said you have some surefire way to grow your Facebook group, to get leads on your Facebook group, uh, you know, how to, how to attract people to your group. Like what are, what are some of the, like the top couple ways that you, that you so, can- I mean, first off the Facebook group, I mean, a Facebook group is, is a long-term strategy. I want to make sure that's very clear. You know, you don't start a Facebook group to start making leads immediately once somebody joins that group. That's not how it happens. I mean, to make sales immediately once somebody joins that group. That's not how it happens. You, you know, a Facebook group is to find people that are interested in what it is, the theme that you're talking about. And then once they're in and that theme doesn't always, you know, I, I'm a organic marketing. My group is called success secrets for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. I'm not attracting people who need marketing. I'm attracting entrepreneurs. A lot of entrepreneurs need marketing. Right. So, you know, ultimately like that's kind of, you know, the group. So we want to make sure we get that right. Um, but then like when we're looking to go to the group, ultimately what we're wanting to do is, you know, build momentum to one destination or one spot online. A lot of people go, well, I got to build a sales funnel and then I got to run Facebook ads. Well, ultimately, what you're doing is you're building a destination, a funnel, a page that someone can go visit online. And then when you visit that page, it gives them the option of being able to click a button usually or fill out a form or take action on whatever that page is, you know, selling you or talking to you about or whatever it might be. So organically, the way we do this is we call it the profile funnel. And that destination that we want to create organically online is classified as our personal profile funnel. And on our personal profile, if you go look at Facebook, there's four distinct areas that you can put um, assets on 
that are going to allow you to let people know who you are, what you do, how you help people, where to go to learn more, the who, what, where, when, where, and how, right, scenario. So, like, basically anything they could get, how to connect with you, how to get more information, how to, you know, take the next step with you, whatever that might be, which for us is a community, right? So, what we do is, is we will look to attract people back to this profile funnel. So, what I'll do, I'll just go over the profile funnel real quick because there's a lot of ways to attract and I don't want to, like, freak people out. But we want to make sure we get, you know, the profile funnel built just by building the profile funnel properly. When people then get attracted to your personal profile on Facebook, think about that. You could have hundreds of people right now that get attracted to your personal Facebook. They go to your personal Facebook profile. They see your profile. Think about what would happen if you had things in place on that profile that let people know who you are, what you're about, who you help, where to go if they want help, all of that stuff, right? So what we do on the profile funnel is there's four areas. You have your cover image, your profile image, your description, and your featured image, okay? Those are the four areas where we're able to basically control what can go out and be on that profile funnel. On your cover image, which is the largest piece of real estate on your profile funnel, is the first thing that people see. That's the top image there, okay? That image, we want to make sure that we let people know who we are, we want to make sure that we have a picture of ourselves up there. And we also want to make sure that we have somewhere where it says click here to take action on the next step. That next step is going to be the lead magnet that you're pushing. That can be your Facebook group. That can be a book. That can be whatever you're pushing at the time. That can be your course, whatever it is. Okay? We want to drive people down into conjugate these people into that one spot. They go visit that page. Now, for anybody that understands digital marketing, and I won't go into this because it's more advanced, but if you have somebody hit a page, you can do what we call pixel them and then purposely put your marketing content in front of them for the next six months through retargeting. We're not going to talk about that because that gets into a lot more than just right. conversation. And it, it, you know, I want to be able to show you that on the computer. Okay. But ultimately we're driving all these people to one spot, we're driving one spot, one spot, one spot. Okay. Now when they get to that profile funnel and they get to your personal profile, the first thing they're going to see is possibly that cover image. Well, Sid, that's awesome. If you push click here though, it's not taking them anywhere. Well, actually it is. If you click on the image, right, it's going to do what? Make that image bigger. What's behind that image? There's a description of that image on your cover image. That description of your cover image has enough space for you to write a sales letter and to put any links that you want to drop people to there. So you would go into sales letter training. You would write a sales letter just like you would have on a funnel, and you would put your sales letter in that description. That sales letter is a chance for you to then influence the person who is visiting your profile and then to be led to your Facebook group, your lead magnet, wherever that is. Okay. The next one's your profile image, your profile image, which a lot of people tend to forget this. I used to go to a lot of seminars. I still do. I go to a lot of virtual events. Obviously we're locked down, so I can't, we're not locked down, but you know, <laughs> like seminars are every weekend like they used to be. And when I would go to seminars with my wife, one of the, one of the common themes that we would always have was we would go there and we would meet somebody. And then after we get done meeting them, we'd be like, who the hell was that? Because they would look like nothing. They would put their best profile photo of them 10 years ago when they were 90 pounds less. And then the perfect makeup, the perfect hair, their perfect, whatever. And then I'd go see them and they'd be 90 pounds heavier. Oh they'd have pimples all over their face. They That's would look their hair, <laughs> you know, and all this stuff. And then I look at them and like, what's my first impression? If someone is not comfortable enough in their own skin to put themselves out digitally and they're going to lie to me online about what they look like, who they are, and who they are as a person, what the hell should I believe about them to begin with? Anything that they say, right? So that's a huge deal. A lot of people miss that. Make sure that your profile image is something of you six months or closer. 
Okay. It has to look like you. If you look like my profile image three years ago, I was 75 pounds heavier. So if you look at pictures from me three years ago and you look at me now, you wouldn't recognize me. Have a chunk of your face, chunk of your neck. I always tell people who are professionals, they should be updating their profile pictures on all the platforms at least every six months, right? Like six months. Yeah. I mean, I like to do six months or a year. Makes sense. Um, unless you had like a massive transformation. I lost 41 pounds in 30 days last year at one time. Wow. Congrats, I, was I was just super busy. I wasn't trying to, I just got super busy. That's and awesome. I just, literally, I, I just would work for three, four days straight and not eat. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Got in some air. I was listening to too much Eric Thomas at the time. Um, but anyway, um, you know, that's, you know, that's profile. And then the next one's your description. Your description is going to be, you know, what you do, where your links are, you know, and also the little like two liner that you have below your profile image. If you look at your description, you want to let people, you want to drive people to that lead magnet in the description. This is the only place on Facebook that you're able to put a link and that link is not going to penalize you. If you put a link on your post, it penalizes you. It doesn't get out to many people. You put a link on your comment thread on another group, it penalizes you. It doesn't get out to many people. Why is that, Sid? I don't believe you. Well, that is because Facebook does one thing and, 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 and basically is going to reward you for one thing. And that one thing is keeping the people that are seeing your content on their platform longer. Why? Because Facebook gets paid one way. The only way they get paid is based on length of time people are on their platform. Why? Because the longer people are on their platform, the more ads they see. The more ads they see, the more money Facebook gets paid. So if you help Facebook show ads to more people on its platform by keeping people on that platform longer, Facebook's going to reward you and going to keep your content out there longer. So ultimately, we want to make sure we do that. Last part's the featured image. And I joke around with a lot of people about the featured image. The featured image is going to be those set of images or videos now. That was new like a few months ago. They we put videos in there. And ultimately, what you want to do is that's going to be you know, a place where you can basically put an advertisement, one big image or one testimonial video or whatever, right? I use an image, okay? And the thing is, is you can put up to nine things in there. And then when that came out about two and a half years ago, my first instinct was I'm going to put all the pictures of the famous people. I got Robert Hershevac, Tony Robbins, all these people. And I'm going to put, look at Sid's hanging out with these people. He, well, here's the thing. If I was scrolling through my profile and I had nine pictures in there, and then on below that was nine more pictures, of my regular photos, people would just scroll by it and it wouldn't matter, right? So what we started doing was we started putting one massive photo there and using that massive photo to promote our links and our description right above it. And then also telling people to click there like it was a button so that they could learn more, which then would have the same sales letter on it behind it as you would have the cover image. When you set your profile up this way, people then are, know exactly what to do when they get there. And the truth is, is that you're getting hundreds of people driven there a day already. And when you start incorporating the super online organic prospecting system where you, and you go out there and you start purposely driving traffic back to your profile funnels, you're going to notice that thousands of people are soon going to come start visiting that profile. And you're going to start getting people at, coming into your lead magnet or sending you a friend request, which is where all that prospecting starts. It's basically a massive call to action is what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what everybody needs to do. So what I want to do now is have you give the entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, your final thoughts and words sure. of wisdom, uh, inspirational ideas, anything that will help them know that they can do this too, that they can get through the tough days that they're doing the right thing and they're following their passions and their dreams. I've always lived by something my granddad used to pat, I called him, called him a pappy, but like my granddad used to tell me, and it was, you know, to aim to get 1% better every day. Right. So that's one piece of it. But then I remember when I would get lost and stuff like this, I would always be thinking like, well, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. But then like I would look and I'd aim to get one step forward, 1% better every day. 
And as long as I did, I was purpose and purposeful about this. I got up today. I purposely went out there and made sure that I got 1% better today. I did something different. I stepped out of my comfort zone. I made an offer and I didn't make any offers yesterday. I went live today. I, you know, put together a plan and executed it, whatever that is. And then the next day you do something else. And then the next day you do something. You keep doing that. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that in four or five days down the road, an opportunity that you did not see when you started will show up. And then four or five days again, will show up again. And then again, and then again, I can't explain it, but it happens like clockwork. You just have to trust it. And it has to do with momentum in your life. The universe sees and hears what you're doing. That was great. I loved it. I'm sure everyone listening enjoyed this as well. And they learned a lot from your words of wisdom and I appreciate you coming once again. And anybody uh, who wants to reach out to you, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, you know, they can go, um, I have a free gift that I give away to everybody, um, doing this. You can go to www.betterleadsgift.com. Um, there's going to be a video over there that goes over my super online organic prospecting system so that you can start to, so you can see what it is and how you can start implementing it for yourself. Um, as far as the group that we talked about here a couple of times, that's called success secrets for purpose driven entrepreneurs. It's absolutely free group. You can come in there. We do stuff in there every day. Um, you know, as far as content interviews and stuff like that to help you all with um, basically being a purpose-driven entrepreneur, you can um, go look it up on social, on Facebook at Success Secrets for Purpose-Driven Entrepreneurs, or you can head over to www.successsecretsgroup.com. And um, that's going to take you over to a place where you can enter the group and um, start meeting, you know, thousands of other purpose-driven entrepreneurs that you can help. Perfect, man. Appreciate it. And again, thanks for coming onto the podcast. And everybody, uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you learned something in today's episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, on Amazon. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy.com. Also, you can support this podcast by leaving me a positive review and also by visiting patreon.com slash strap on your boots to become a member and get bonus material. See you in next week's episode.